Section 4 of The Life of St. Dominic Savio by St. John Bosco. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 5. Dominic's School Life at Mondonio. His Conduct under a Calumnious Charge. It would seem that divine providence had designed to make it clear to Dominic that this world is truly a land of exile, where, like pilgrims, we are always moving from place to place, or it may have been that it was in order to make him known in several districts, that his virtues might be displayed in each. As has been mentioned, it was towards the close of the year 1852 that Dominic's parents found that their boy's health would necessitate another change of abode, and this time they went to Mondonio, a village not far away from Castelnuovo. Here again we find that nothing but the most edifying reports are given of Dominic. It will not be necessary to quote a full account given by his master at Mondonio, for it repeats the good points mentioned by his former master at Miralido. Attention will be drawn only to certain facts of particular importance. The priest in question writes, I can state without hesitation that during my twenty years' experience with boys, I never met one to equal Savio in frank and genuine piety. He was gifted with a wisdom beyond his years, and his diligence, application, and affability made him a favorite both with masters and companions. When I noticed him in church, his recollection was such as to fill me with wonder. His manner and attitude suggested the thought, Here is an innocent boy to whom the delights of heaven are opened, and who by his piety soars aloft to the company of the angels in heaven. The following incident is worthy of special record. One day a serious offense had been committed by certain pupils of mine, and the guilty ones, when found, were to be expelled. The culprits thought out several expedients in order to escape the punishment, and at last settled on the plan of accusing Dominic of the offense. I very naturally refused entirely to believe that Dominic would be capable of any such thing, but the story and accusation were so skillfully put together that it had all the semblance of truth and conviction. When I entered the school in the morning, prepared to deal with the matter, I was in an indignant frame of mind, and spoke in general terms to the class. Then I turned to Salvio and spoke very severely to him, telling him that he deserved to be expelled, and it was only because it was the first offense he had been guilty of that he would not be sent away, but that if ever the like occurred again, expulsion would certainly follow. Dominic might have very easily shown that he was entirely innocent, but he made no reply. He hung down his head, as one who was deservedly approved, and made no attempt at clearing his character. But it is seldom God's way to let the innocent remain under the cloud of calumny, and on the very next day the culprits were discovered. Deeply regretting now the harsh terms of the reproof I had made to the boy, I sent for him and said, Why did you not tell me that you had had nothing to do with it? He replied in his usual candid manner. I knew that the guilty boy was already under threat of expulsion for other things, but I hoped to be forgiven, since it was the first act of misconduct ever imputed to me at school. I also remembered that our Lord had been unjustly accused. At this reply I was silent. I somehow felt that there was nothing more to be said. Not only the masters, but the whole school admired this act of generous resignation to suffering and insult on behalf of others, especially at the risk of being humiliated and disgraced. End of chapter 5 Chapter 6. My First Meeting with Dominic Savio. Some Curious Incidents Connected with It. The matter contained in the following chapters is based upon more personal and complete evidence, for almost all the incidents occurred under my own notice, and also in the presence of a large number of boys 
who are unanimous in their attestation of them. It was in 1854 that Father Cugliero, the priest who relates the incidents mentioned in the foregoing chapter, came to see me about a pupil of his. Here, in your oratory, he said, there might possibly be boys equal to him, but I can safely assert that there is none to excel him, for in fact you find him to be another St. Aloysius. At that time I used to take my boys occasionally to Miraldo. It was a little country place, where a short time was spent for the benefit of enjoying the country air and open life, and there we usually made the novena in preparation for, and celebrated the feast of the Holy Rosary. It was accordingly arranged that while I was at Miraldo, Dominic should be brought over from Mondonio to see me. It was therefore at Miraldo, on the first Monday in October, 1864, that I became acquainted with Dominic Savio. He was accompanied by his father, and as they came up to speak to me, I noticed his pleasant but respectful manner, and something in his demeanor fixed my attention upon him. When he came up, I put a question to him, to which he answered, I am the boy of whom Father Cugliero has spoken to you. I have come with my father from Mondonio. We walked together, and I questioned him about his studies, and his desires for the future, and we were immediately on the most friendly and confidential terms. I may say that I at once recognized a boy after God's own heart, and I could not help being struck by the workings of grace already manifest in one of such tender years. After some minutes' conversation, and before I could turn aside to speak to his father, he said to me, Well, what do you think of the matter? Will you take me to Turin to study? I replied that I thought there was very good material to work upon. And what do you think you can make of it? Seeing that he fully grasped my meaning, I said, Something beautiful and acceptable to God. To this he replied, Then I must be the material, and you are to fashion it. Take me with you, therefore. But, I said, I am afraid that your delicate health would not stand the strain of much study. I don't think we need fear on that point, he said. God's given me health and every assistance till now, and he will surely help me in the future. I then asked him what he thought of doing when his preliminary course was finished. To this he replied, If I could hope for such a favor from God, I ardently desire to become a priest. Very well, I replied. Now I want to see whether you are able to learn quickly. Take this little book and study this page of it. Tomorrow I shall see if you know it. I then sent him to see the other boys and to join in their games while I talked to his father. But a little surprise awaited me, for hardly ten minutes had elapsed when Dominic came back and said with his usual pleasant manner, If you like, I will recite that page to you now. I took the book in some astonishment, and this only increased when he recited the page by heart and could explain any passage in it. Well done, I said. As you have anticipated your lesson, I shall anticipate my answer. I will take you to Turin, and you will be one of my chosen boys. You must pray that God will help both you and me to do his holy will. Not knowing how to express his great gratitude, he took my hand and said, I hope my behavior will never give you cause for complaint. End of chapter 6